Welcome to another exciting word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word? All right. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, today, the, the title of the message is going to go along with some things that we have already heard this morning. But the title is, The Right Choice at the Right Time. The Right Choice at the Right Time. You know, uh, as I said a little earlier, Jesus was seeking my attention 35 years ago. And uh, Jesus is often seeking our attention because He knows that we need to hear what he is going to say. He's seeking our attention. Uh, we, at times, are anxious. At times, we get distracted. At times, we get discouraged, even. And we even become engaged in our own necessary pursuits of making a living and making a life. And if we're not watchful or pastoring a church, we can end up forgetting that God is not wanting our service. He's not wanting our money as much as he is wanting our attention. He's wanting our time. He's wanting us to connect. He's wanting a relationship with us. Even the preacher, he's wanting a relationship with me more than he is wanting me to preach, more than he's wanting me to, to, uh, you know, uh, to meet your need. He's wanting to meet my need. That's very common if we're not watchful and uh, um, that well he wants us to comfort others but he wants us to comfort others with the comfort that he comforted us with does that make sense okay uh, you, you see his love first flows to us and then it flows through us uh, it, it, it wasn't enough all those years ago that I was trying to get the word of God to flow through me it has to first to come to me it has to first shine its light on my life so that I can be changed by what God is sharing. And then a changed life changes lives. You know, uh, we, we, we sow seeds of who we are. We cannot adequately serve him if we will not allow him to serve us. And the Apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulations that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Try reading that in public. Wow. What does it say? It says that the same comfort God gives you, He gives it to you so that you can comfort other people with the comfort He comforted you with. That means that we need to let God comfort us. The knowledge he gives us is knowledge he gives us so that we can give other people the knowledge that, 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 that he gave us. The things you have heard of me among many witnesses, commit to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. It's, there, there's a flow. God wants to flow to you before he flows through you. He wants to serve you so that you might serve others. He wants to comfort you. He wants to encourage you so that you might encourage others with a full heart so that he might actually be the one encouraging them through you, so that he might actually be the one comforting them through you. You know, I, I'm hoping that today on your way home, you know, you don't get 
so aggravated that you turn around and start beating the kids, especially on the way to church, you know, slapping them. Be still, kids. We're going to church. You know, don't, you know, get some, you know, get some peace in your life. Let God comfort you, encourage you. Make some things about you because some things are about you. In Luke, the 10th chapter this morning, uh, and also in John 21, we're going to look at two accounts from the Gospels to confirm this truth and to reveal how we can respond to the call of Jesus when he, when he comes to visit us, when He comes to call on us. In Luke, the 10th chapter, uh, we will read an account beginning in verse 38. Uh, uh, the Bible says this, Now it happened that as they went, Jesus and his disciples, that he entered a certain village. Now the village was Bethany. We know where the village was. It's where Mary and Martha lived. And I've, I've been there and I've visited the house that Mary and Martha were historically, traditionally supposed to have lived in, you know. And uh, uh, it's, 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 it's a small village just uh, on the declivity on the other side, on the hill going down uh, the Mount of Olives on the opposite side of Jerusalem. He entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. We find two distinct messages in this passage, both of them applicable to our lives today. The first message we find here is that Jesus did not ask Mary to stop doing what she was doing, but he told her rather to stop worrying about it. Jesus understood that what Martha, excuse me, Jesus understood what Martha was doing was very important. It needed to be done and someone needed to do it. But worry is a distraction. You know, we we can't become so busy serving Jesus that we lose sight of the of, of the reason why we are serving him we are serving him so that he can reach others so that he can minister to others who may have a different need than we have you know worry confuses the issue worry causes drama to be introduced it welcomes drama into a life and drama does not produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness you know, worry invites trouble. And that's what he said. Martha, you know, it's not that you're doing things that should not be done. It's that you are worried and troubled. There are so many things you're paying attention to. And you're distracted from the reason I am here. I'm here for a purpose. Martha's responsibilities, as I said, they were very important. And, and you may be in that position. There may be a very heavy load on your shoulders, but you may be the only one who can carry it. You may actually be the one who should be carrying it. 
God may have put a responsibility in your lap. God himself may have put a burden on your shoulders, and it's not unfair. Life divvies up burdens unfairly in that sometimes people get to sit down while others are standing up. Sometimes people get to eat while others are serving. Sometimes there's a heavy load in our lives that we look around and other people don't seem to have to be carrying that same load. Life divvies work in some seemingly unfair ways at times. But as Luke 12 says in continuing discourse, to whom much is given, much is required. Sometimes the load that we carry is because we have been made, we have been created, we have been strengthened, we have been tempered to carry that heavy load. Sometimes the load we carry is heavy because we are the only ones who can carry it because it is the fair load, the fair share that God has decided for us. And he will not allow more to come on anyone than they are able to bear. The first thing is that Jesus did not ask Martha to stop doing what she was doing, but he did want her to stop worrying about it, perhaps wanted her to stop complaining about it or stop feeling like it was unfair. A second thing that we find in this particular passage is that Mary made the right choice at the right time for her, and Jesus recognized that. Mary made the right choice for her at that moment. It probably was not Martha's right choice. Martha's right choice most likely was to serve. Mary's right choice was to sit at the feet of Jesus in that particular moment. For whatever reason, Mary needed to listen closely to what Jesus had to say. For whatever reason, Mary was aware of what she needed. You know, uh, you know, she might not have heard a voice from heaven, but there was something in her heart that made her react different, differently than, than Martha reacted. Martha reacted, let's get everything ready. And perhaps and presumably that would have been Mary's natural reaction as well, but not on that day. On that day, she sat at Jesus' feet to hear. We don't know what was coming in her future. We don't know what Jesus was preparing her for. We don't know the reasons, but we do know that Jesus said she chose what was right, what was needful, what was necessary. She made her choice, and Jesus said nobody can take that away from her. No one. Now hold on to those thoughts while we turn to John chapter 21. Okay, John chapter 21 uh, uh, is an account that occurred about a month after the resurrection of Jesus. You know, Jesus, after he was resurrected from the dead, he stayed on earth 40 days and he ministered to people. Well, this is during that 40 days, probably about a month probably about two weeks, maybe a week or two, ten days before the ascension. I could go into the reasons why, but it would bore a significant number of you. Okay, So at any rate, um, it, this is going to be the third time that Jesus has appeared to a group of his disciples. There are seven disciples that are gathered together in Galilee. They are at the seashore. Presumably, they are in the city of Capernaum maybe between Capernaum and Bethsaida, 
And, and by the way, we will be there, and I'll show you this very spot to, to you know, a, a few dozen of you here, uh, here just in a few days. Uh, there's a spot uh, where, where Peter, Peter lived in Capernaum, and he's the ringleader here. And, and so after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the disciples then at some point afterwards, maybe a week or two, they arrive up in the Galilee. And then sometime during the next couple of weeks, Peter just says, I'm going fishing. And so James and John and uh, four of the other disciples said, we're going with you. So seven of them get out there in a boat and they're fishing. And, and uh, now uh, 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 as they are fishing, they fished all night and didn't catch a thing. It's in late spring, okay? And uh, verse 4 of John 21 says, But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Now, it's not weird. This is not spooky. He didn't look like somebody else, okay? Sometimes people go, what do you mean they didn't know him? Well, we know from a little bit later that they were, you know, somewhere close to 70 to, to between 70 and 100 yards away. Okay? Most people believe about near 100 yards away. I don't, you know, Jesus could hear them, no doubt. But, man, it was a miracle that they could hear him. But he stood on the shore, and they looked, and it was a man on the shore in the early morning daylight. And they did not know it was Jesus. There's nothing spooky here. Okay, uh, And they'd fished all night, hadn't caught anything. And verse 5, then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered, no. So you can continue to read the story. Jesus said, well, cast your net on the right side of the ship and you'll find fish. And so they did and they drug, uh, the, the, the fish were just, you know, plentiful. Ended up being 153 large fish. And so many fish that they could not get the boat up, you know, the, the net up into the boat. They were trying, but they couldn't. And, and so when they got all those fish and saw how many it was, John said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, you know, you've probably done this, you know. You see something, you do something, you're involved in a miracle, and you say, this is God. This is God. I mean, there's so many things happening in my life, and I, I, I turn around and say, hey, this was the Lord. This is Jesus. This is a miracle. This was God. Well, John said to Peter, it's the Lord that we got all these fish. I mean, this is the Lord. That's the Lord. Peter didn't wait for another second. You know, you know he had on a waistcoat, which, which is not a heavy burlap. You know, it's, it's not a leather thing, okay? Uh, it may, may have a, 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 even a, a more durable front to it. But just so you wipe your hands off as you're fishing. But he didn't have a shirt on, so he slipped on his shirt, which was probably linen, and it probably was long enough to cover the waistcoat. He didn't put on some heavy coat and cinch it up, okay? And the Bible says he slipped on his shirt and plunged, jumped, lunged, jumped out into the water. I'm wondering, did he expect to walk on the water this time? Did he hit on his head or what? I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, Whoo, out in the water he went, you know, not going to walk this time. Plunged himself in, and don't you know, can you imagine now, by this time perhaps, you know, a little over 80 yards, 90 yards, don't you know he was swimming? 
you know. He got to where he could touch, and most likely he's bouncing and hopping and, you know, and, and running up through the Why? Because he's going to see Jesus, okay? While the others didn't seem to be that bothered about it. It looks like they pay more attention to the fish than they are to the risen Savior. Because <laughs> yeah, they go ahead and pull in the net, get it close, and a couple of them get in a boat, and they get a hold of the net. Then the rest of them, you know, six of them in a boat. And, you know, James and John might have been rowing, and, you know, Nathaniel and Thomas dragging that net. They went ahead while Peter's up there. Peter gets up. I mean, he's, he's up there with Jesus. And the rest of them, you know, coming along slowly as if the fish meant more to them than seeing Jesus. And they finally get up to shore and drag that net up on the shore and, and uh, they turn around and look and, and uh, you know, uh, well, verse 9. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Interesting to me. Now, Jesus has spent some time on the shore this morning. Because if you know how you build a fire to get coals, you generally catch, you know, some wood on fires, maybe some driftwood or something there, and, 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 and you let it burn, and you let it burn, and you let it burn, and then it gets coals. And somehow Jesus had some fish laid, perhaps on rocks or, or, or you know, some, some other maybe twigs he had uh, went across because of the coals, it wasn't a flame anymore. It had already gone to coals, and Jesus had some fish laid on it. And the fish, he was cooking fish, you know, much like Martha was, was busy preparing something that needed to be prepared. Here, Jesus is preparing. He's prepared. I think specifically he's prepared for Peter. I think he might have only had a couple of fish on there. Why? Because when the others get to shore with all the fish, he says in verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you just caught. <laughs> There's more of you than I imagined. <laughs> you know, I was ready for Peter because I needed to talk to Peter. You know, uh, planning, preparation, inclusion, the natural and the supernatural working together, people all doing their part. Jesus cooking, Peter swimming, James and John riding in a boat, Thomas and Nathaniel dragging fish along. You know, uh, uh, everything and everyone working together doing their part that morning because of what they felt in their heart was their part to do. And not everyone had the same part. If they had just dropped the fish, four or five of them wouldn't have got to eat. You know, there's this, there's this amazing Holy Spirit that falls upon the hearts of men and women in different ways so that they can make the right choice at the right time for them. And not everyone makes the same choice. Life should be free and easy. Making the morning work like they made the morning work. No drama, no trouble, no... Where'd you go, Peter? Why'd you leave us with those fish? Peter not saying, what's the matter with the rest of you guys? Why didn't y'all jump in the water? Well, evidently, something different hit Peter's heart. 
Something different hit Peter's eye. Evidently, the Holy Spirit had prepared Peter in a different way. And when he heard it was the Lord, boom! Why? Because Peter needed something. And indeed, this account is really all about Peter. If you continue reading, and I encourage you to read the whole account, you will see that Jesus is specifically going to focus on Peter. Because Peter had a heartbreak. Peter had a heartache. Peter had denied Jesus three times at Jesus' judgment. He had denied even knowing him. He had cursed and said, I swear I have never met that man. And then the cock crowed again, and Peter, his heart was broken. Now Jesus has come to let Peter have his moment sitting at his feet. This is where Jesus, you know, he tells the rest of them, come and dine. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you, knowing it was the Lord. They knew it was the Lord. It wasn't that they, they knew it was him. You know, Thomas had earlier said, well, prove it to me. I mean, he saw Jesus. It looked like him, but prove it to me. I'm not going to believe it unless I touch that side and touch the, you know, no more of that. They were not confused. Almost used a Pastor Sam Walker word. They were not befuddled. Because of, of the resurrection. They accepted. They understood it. He's alive. He is alive and he's real. And he's really here. And he's cooked some fish. And he's waiting. He, you know, Jesus, verse 13, then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. How, how amazing. Jesus cares. He's serving them. And after he serves them, he then says to Peter, after he serves Peter the fish and the bread, after he, I mean, that's what you do for a friend. That's what you do when you want a relationship with someone. You, you know, you invite them to dinner and you pay for it and you serve them. You prepare it. And this is what Jesus was doing. He wanted to serve Peter first before he asked Peter to serve others for him. Because he says to Peter, chooses him out of the group, seven of them sitting there, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He'll ask him three times. To cover those three denials, scholars from all ages have imagined. Peter got up from that moment. Like Mary, no doubt, got up from her moment, sitting at the feet of Jesus, ready for the next challenge. Ready to serve others. Mary did not sit down because she did not want to serve she sat down at the feet of Jesus because she did want to serve. Who among us is worthy without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ? And who among us is unworthy if the Son of God has called us to serve? 
That's what Peter felt. So what have we discovered today? In closing, I submit to you, number one, Jesus may not be asking you to stop what you're doing today. He may only be asking you to stop worrying and stop complaining about it. Boy, that's a good one. Huh? You may have a heavy burden. If you'll walk with Jesus, you know, at my former church, I, I stopped walking with him. I wasn't in sin, but I wasn't in that life-giving relationship. Jesus may not be asking you to stop what you're doing today, but he may be asking you to stop worrying and stop complaining about it. You may be the only one to do it, and it may be a fair share of the burden. Number two, Jesus needs your attention. That's what he wants. He wants a relationship. He wants some attention. Jesus wants some attention. <laughs> he wants your attention more than he wants your money. He wants your attention. He wants your heart. He wants your relationship more than he wants your service. Don't forget Jesus. Don't forget to give him your attention. And number three, Jesus wants to feed you before he sends you to feed others. Don't ever think little of the places you are going on your daily rounds. Make sure you eat a good meal from God's Word, from His presence. Make sure you connect with Him in prayer. And then as you go on your rounds each day, go to serve others with what the Lord has served you. Comfort others with the same comfort and encouragement wherewith you were comforted of the Lord. I want to pray for you right now. Those of you on campus, those of you joining us online, I want to pray for you to, number one, make sure that you are born again. I never want to minimize the opportunities we have to invite Jesus into our heart. I also want to pray for some of you who perhaps have been cutting life with a dull knife. Maybe you've, you know, you've, lost your first love <laughs> maybe the same zeal that you had has grown cold maybe you're you're you're, you're burning your own you know flesh instead of the oil of god yeah you can fix that you know there was a special pair of scissors that were golden that trimmed those wicks that burned because they start smoking up the place you know, in the Old Testament tabernacle, they had to get a little bit into the quick, a little bit into the good stuff. Uh, don't complain. Repent and say, here I am, God. Spend time with him. He'll do the trimming. And then I encourage you to invite him to go with you every day. In prayer, in worship and in word. Won't you stand to your feet on campus? Online, won't you join us? 
Let's open up our hearts and invite Jesus in. You can invite him in for the first time by simply saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that God sent you to be sacrificed for my sin. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Save my soul. Forgive me of my sins. I turn my life to you. It's that simple. If you're sincere when you pray the prayer of salvation, you are saved. Your next step is to develop a relationship with him. If you're not close to God right now, then you need to work on that relationship. He wants your attention. Let's pray for each one of us right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, sir, that we would give you our attention. First in salvation, Lord, come into our heart, Lord. Be our Lord, our Savior. Teach us, Lord, what we should do. Feed us, God, so that we may feed others. Comfort us, strengthen us, encourage us, so that we may comfort, strengthen, and encourage others. Not, Lord, by our own merits, not by our own skill, Lord, not by our own education, Lord, not by our own experience, Lord, but because of the Holy Spirit, which is fresh and alive in us. Lord, flow to us, God, and flow through us, God. Fill us up, Lord, first with your presence, God, and then, Lord, send us out, Father, just as Jesus sent Peter to feed the sheep, Lord. Send us out, God, to serve others, God. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us, Lord, where we have failed you. Forgive us, God, where we have not walked close to you, God. And Lord, help us, sir. Help us not to worry and complain about the burden that we carry, Lord. You have made us fit for this moment, God. You will never leave us, never forsake us, Lord. You'll not allow more to come upon us, God. So, Lord, help us, Father, to not be worried, Lord, and not feel it, Lord, somehow unfair. God, Lord, heal and strengthen, comfort, Lord, and use us for your glory. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. I'll tell you one thing. I'm never going to get in that ditch again with the grace of God. With the grace of God, I never have since 1987. And by the grace of God, I will not till I go to heaven. Amen. May God bless you. May he strengthen you. May he make his relationship with you the most vital, living, exciting, and productive thing you've ever experienced. I pray in the name of Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for another powerful message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.